welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name is Alice Clements and I'm here with Max Gorn and Campbell Flakemore to unpack Cycling Season 2.0. It's been regenerated in the last couple of weeks with a hell of a lot of racing. There's racing on every night pretty much uh, as we've been treated to by most sports. And if you do want to uh, get involved with MAPS off the tour, they've just kicked off their new Zwift event. You um, sign up between August 15 and 30, finish all four stages, and you get yourself access to some exclusive kit produced by MAP. Um, and you also get the jersey on the Zwift app. Max, did you end up getting yourself on the trainer, getting yourself some MAP kit? I did. I did. I joined the rest of um, the world on Zwift. Uh, not in my favour, Zwift, with body the weight. Um, I found myself getting dropped very, very easily. Uh, but I, I, I did enjoy it in in a map kit. What what are you what are you weighing in at at the moment? Uh, Hundred and eight. I, I I thought about potentially lying uh, on Zwift just so I can get. Um, it's just so I can stay in a pack, really. Um, trying to go for some, <laughs> some nice social rides, and I'm a long way off. Yeah, isn't it? Is it's kind of just general general consensus that everyone clips a couple of kilos off their actual weight, isn't it? Yeah, I, I must have missed that. I must have missed that boat. I think Max would have to clip, clip off about twenty kilos <laughs> 20. at minimum. <laughs> so, if you are keen to join, you can go to Maps website at map.cc for that or their superior range of cycling apparel also it comes up as you uh click on the app there's the map off the tour um launch you know in other partnership to news as well we also did a little series with lumen Wellbeing, the uh employee Wellbeing company and we did a little series with them on the business of sport to look at what what cycling will look like over the coming year what it can do to thrive in the next five years and Interestingly, I think a big point in what cycling does look like, how, how it does come out of COVID-19 is, does the tour go ahead? And although some of the doubters in June, July weren't overly confident, me being one of them, looks like the tour's going ahead. It does. Um, if there's any riders left, they all seem to be <laughs> falling away at the moment, crashing with this jam-packed season, but it looks like it's going ahead. Well, we did, we did see... Uh, the horrific stage one of Tour of Poland for Fabio Jakobsen put into the barriers, but not just put into the barriers, actually physically into the barriers, um, concussed into hospital. Thankfully, he's going to be okay, but it's going to be, there's going to be a long road ahead for him. Too dangerous? What was your take on that event? Yeah, well, it, it was obviously a, a horrific outcome, but... Um... It's not the first time we've seen a, a big pile up and a bunch kick. And I think having slightly downhill, dead straight bunch kick didn't help. So I think there's a bit of talk about the organisers potentially finding themselves in a little bit of legal trouble. Um, Patrick Lefebvre obviously seems to think so. He had some pretty hot fingers on the Twitter shortly after the incident. So there's probably a lesson there not to be on Twitter when you're, you're hot-headed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely awful. But the good thing is that he, he is going to be okay. But um, yeah, like I said, it's not the first time we've seen this sort of incident in a bunch kick. But it was just it was just so so fast. They were doing eighty k an hour, and 
obviously the barriers has been a bit of talk about those they're probably not up to the standard of something like the tour de france but um yeah shocking shocking incident and it's not even like having a sprint that quick it doesn't really add any entertainment value it's not like it's better no they just just spin their ring out yeah and i think the uh the outcome so as you said, we've seen plenty of riders being chopped. There's like kind of a like sprint of nature. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad, was it? Really? Like, no. yeah, he he went off his line just a little bit, but um, people saying that he should be criminally charged. Like, <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> it was the outcome, the yeah. fact that he, the fact that the barriers collapsed, the fact that he well, there was a spectator there as well. But yeah, pe- people. If you if you take the the human factor out of it, the chop actually wasn't that bad. He closed the door on him, yes, um, but it's the fact that he went into the barriers. The barriers didn't push. These there was that um, comparison rolling around on Twitter of the Cav um, hitting the barriers and sliding onto the deck versus yeah. Fabio going full gas into the barriers and just getting morphed by the metal, but. Yeah. Her, her Your thoughts on it, Max? Horrific scenes. As a, as a it's, very, um, it's very AFL of uh, cycling to worry about the outcome um, <laughs> with their decision. I won't go into that anymore. Um, no, look, bunch, bunch sprints uh, are, part of the, are part of the sport. Um, obviously, the difference between Cavs and uh, Jacobson's was probably the barrier. So maybe they could do some work in in the barriers. I'm not sure if the tour of Poland going through coronavirus was really worried about their barriers and put in a lot of work around it. But um, no, uh, it was, it was a Grunner wagon who, who, who did to his yeah. right. No, yeah. I, I don't see too much in it. Um, yeah. I, unlucky for Jacobson. And the royal word is he's back in his home country now and uh, on the men, which is good. It was lucky that that photographer was there to kind of take a little bit of the blow because I think behind the photographer was like a steel, a steel barrier, and that could have been, that could have been, yeah. that could have been fatal, really. But yeah. if you look at the if the incident in isolation, I think every big sprinter has done a little sort of off their line or a little, little headbutt. So um, I think yeah. we need to take it a little bit easy on on Grunewagen because I'm sure he feels absolutely horrific about it too. Correct. He he wasn't going after him. He wasn't going from left to right. Yeah, chopped his guts up. It was not that. The UCI hasn't had a good, good couple of weeks in terms of safety. We had um, Shackman last night getting cleaned up by a car, a random spectator car. I haven't seen this incident. Do you want to? I, I I haven't seen the footage of it. I've seen the headline. I saw there was a, a UCI little statement going out that they're investigating the issue of a rogue car out on the course that um, has ran into Shackman. Um. Can you, um, can you can you blame the UCI for the hailstorm as well or not? Yeah, <laughs> I think then, you can. I think I think they come under that as well. And then and then also another yeah horrific crash. Evnapol last night, Remco, who was who's been absolutely torching this season, was um, on the downhill and just went straight over the barriers or well, the barriers when we say barriers we like talking italian barriers like a little block um and he's lucky to be alive really even even last night with the 
with the uh, the Criterion, the Dolphin. They um, Tom Dumoulin came out and spoke about how bad the roads were, um, and hence why five or six of the GC real leaders fell over on the descent, and two of them withdrawing. Hmm. Um, it just feels like there's they're they're, they're jam packing the cycling, which is good, but the the safety's just gone out the window. So, Max, if something like so, if you're not racing bikes, but if something of a safety concern came up in an AFL setting, like what would happen? Uh, we've we've had ground issues, obviously, with the LED lights uh, surrounding the ground. I think a few people have cut themselves open with that. Um, which gets fixed straight away. I mean, there's enough noise down here that the AFL feels under pressure at times when something happens. Um, grounds have been questioned. I know the SCG's had a lot of issues uh, in years gone by, um, and it tends to get fixed straight away. So um, you presume that's what's happening with cycling, and I understand a fair bit has happened since the Silver to Poland crash, but um, we get bad roads on descents a lot in cycling. They always seem just to pop back up. Um, because they're a, they're an eventful road and, the, and they'll break the peloton up. But um, AFL are actually really good with that. The, the the PA get on top of things in terms of safety, and um, yeah, you feel really good out there on the grounds. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the P. That there's actually a players' association. There is a a CPA in cycling, but the outcome of their actions seems to be not that evident and I, I don't know about you Campbell but I, I don't I don't have heaps of confidence in the UCI's ability to enforce this change and as Max, Max touched on if they've just gone they've just gone too hard in terms of getting these races on and I think so obviously obviously a lot of effort's gone into just getting the, these races up and away and perhaps safety's been been somewhat neglected or you know, other things have taken priority, but really safety should be, be number one. But if we're comparing AFL to cycling, there's a, there's a lot more things to consider cycling compared to AFL. You know, the environment's sort of a lot different and cycling, they're, they're quite changing environments. So it's kind of hard to, to keep tabs on it all, but that's, that's no excuse to, you know, have people almost dying. Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, that crash of uh, Evan Poole last night, that, that could have been very, very bad. He's, um, for those that haven't seen it, he's come around a corner. He's gone quite slow, but he goes over the barrier of this bridge that was built in 1530. <laughs> and he's fallen maybe, maybe 25, 30 foot um, down on some rocks, maybe some trees, broke his fall. But I think he got away with a broken pelvis and maybe some broken ribs and some, some other broken bones, which... I mean, if you look at the incident and how far he fell, it's, it's a pretty good result for him. In more uh, uplifting news, we've got a new big kid on the block. Jumbo Visma have stamped their authority this year. And uh, we've been fortunate, I guess, with no Swiss on. Instead of having that kind of two-prong lead-up race, we've had just the Criterium de Dolphine on with pretty much a Tour de France field or a Tour de France climbing field at least. And Jumbo Visma have been dominant, like at, like headed headed by Roglic, who is just head, like the the best climber in the world. It just doesn't even yep. his his other uh, competitors haven't really been that close, or even looked like they've had him on the ropes. But also the depth of their team with Dumoulin there to Kreisvik, um, it's a hot field and. On the other end of the spectrum, another 
team, which which does look like it has the depth, hasn't quite been their team Ineos slightly off the mark. I dare say uh, I'm very excited to see what Jumbo do for the tour. Um, with the criterium, I reckon it was better than a tour field, to be honest. Uh, in terms of climbers, uh, we missed um, obviously a lot of sprinters and for some reason Peter Sagan's riding it, but um, we'll, we'll try and work that out later while he's out there. But um, <laughs> there, It's been an unbelievable field. I, I wrote down some names beforehand and almost had 40 climbers that could potentially um, stay in the front group. And to be fair, we probably saw last night 40 riders cross together in the front group. So um, the, what they do with their tour team, Jumbo, and I just want to put it out there that I have been a Jumbo fan uh, for a long time. You did go um, early. You went early. I did go early when they were riding GC for George Bennett. Um, and now he actually looks like a GC rider and unfortunately he's missed his time. But um, how they pick their team is going to be phenomenal because I'm not sure where Grunewagen's at. I'm not sure if he's uh, thinking tour, uh, especially of what Van Aert and the team. But if they pick both of them to fit... Uh, how, what's the tour team these days? Is it eight? I think it's eight. Yeah, got got snipped down from yeah. from nine a couple of years ago. Uh, someone like a Seb Kuss or a, or a, a Robert Gessink or someone like that is going to miss, which is going to be stiff. <laughs> I'd I'd hope it's not Seb Kuss because he is he's the left hand man for for or is George at the or is or is or is George? We did see George at um at the tour before this. Where were we? Um, uh, we're in France somewhere. Anyway, we saw George being the left-hand man before he's gone out and taken out the classics. Yeah. Um, and they obviously need some workhorses before that, which looks like it could be Gessink and Dumoulin, um, looking at where they are. But then they've also got, obviously, um, their sprinters. Like, Turnison was the sensation of the tour last year, and he won't be anywhere near the team this year. <laughs> nah, you wouldn't have thought so. Wood Van Aert has to, has to go in there, though, doesn't he? Correct. He's, he's, he's got to go in. I mean, the way he was climbing last night, he was there was probably 30 guys left and, and he was still there and he's winning a bunch of kicks. So he has to go in. Guessing I, think Tony, be... I think Tony Martin just makes the team because he's Tony Martin and they. I feel like they need that guy on the flat stage. Yeah, absolutely. Guessing probably the same bit of experience and doesn't leave that many guys actually. It doesn't. So Wad Van Aert is unfortunately going to be sprinting by himself, I think. <laughs> so no Grunewagen. You reckon Grunewagen's off the start list? Oh, well, it depends. Yeah, I reckon he is. I, I reckon Wad Van Aert's their man for the green jersey, potentially trying to take on Sagan through the hills, um, which will be uh, the best green jersey battle we've had for a while. Um, that's if they go down that path. He was doing a fair bit of um, domestic work last, last night, Wad Van Aert, so I'm not sure what path they'll go down. But it's nothing. It's, and if Cruz were going to be okay, um, I, I saw him come down last, last night. He's such a handy little person for them to have, not do any work and just sit in the group. Um, but as we've seen in previous years, some form pre-tour sometimes doesn't necessarily lead into the tour. So maybe the Ineos guys are time and it's perfection. Yeah. Cambo, if you had uh, Grunewagen and Wood Van Aert available, one, would you have them in the team? And two, uh, would you give Wood the ability to battle it out against Peter Sagan? Actually give him a competition for the green jersey? Um, to answer the first question, I'd go Wood Van Aert over Grunewagen. I think Van Aert can do his own thing in the sprints is where Grunewagen seems to, to maybe need a little bit of help. And I think Van Aert can provide some, uh, some value elsewhere in the mountains and on the flats, crosswinds, where Grunewagen seems to be a little bit one-dimensional. 
could be a bit stiff, but that's just the way I see it. <laughs> and I think I think they can probably let him go head to head with Sargon too, at least in the first, you know, the first bit of the race. See if he can stay within an arm's reach. Um, but if not, I think his value elsewhere is is so so key. And and of course he'll be on the star list for sure. He has to be. What about your take on um, Gerard and Froomey and Bernal? Who's been Bernal's been good, but a little bit off the mark. We saw him pull out a Dolphin A last night due to a back niggle. But what about Gerard and Froomey? Where do, where do they sit? Well, I guess Gerard Grant's looking okay. He was doing a little bit of a job two nights ago, but nowhere near what he was like when he was winning the tour. And Froomey, he's one that you can just never trust. You can never trust him. He can be creeping two weeks before. I think it was in the Giro when he won it. He was four minutes down, five minutes down after two weeks. And he just he just builds his way into a race. So I don't think you can ever rule out a guy like Chris Froome who's won the Tour de France four times. So um, if you're looking at it now, you'd say no, but he, he's someone that can just come up at the right time. And, I, think, and- I, think I think their one is, is Sivakov, to be honest. Um, I know he's not proven over three weeks. Don't get me wrong, but um, he he's going to be with Bernal the whole way through with Bernal ride. So Sivakov's the one, and they've got to. Um, I'm, if Froome's happy to be the third domestique, he 100 percent makes the team. Um, yeah. But if they if they think Gagenhardt's going to be better at someone who's sacrificing his role to to help out Bernal, I'm also for Ineos leaving Froome out and potentially helping out Carapaz in the Giro maybe later in the year. It's an, inter- it's an interesting point. Can you take Froomey and have full confidence that he will be able to do the job for whoever else, whoever else is in the lead? I guess they've got, they've got a wealth of options because he's, he's, he's that good. He's that, you, can't, you can't be that good and have that kind of, I'm going to work for others mentality. There's always got to be that bit of that little, that little inkling of, oh, I could win this. I've got this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see you go, Max. It's it's a, it's an interest. I'm glad I'm not in the Ineos selection panel because that's an interesting decision they had to make. Because similar to what we said about Jumbo, with probably picking Tony Martin and Robin Gessink for experience and flat stages, you have to almost think about uh, Kukoski, Gianni Moscon. You might have to get some of these guys in for similar roles for Ineos. It leaves literally one spot for either. Froome, Gagenhard, Van Baal, these types of guys who are better in the hills. Um, so they're picking, they'll pick Froome over their young gun, Gagenhard, and it'll be stiff on, obviously, uh, tail. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, only eight spots, it's, it's not many when there's so many big names in both these squads that we're talking about. But Froome is just this it's sort of guy, yeah, he provides a lot of experience, but is he going to be satisfied doing the job or, or would you be a little bit concerned if you go in as the designated leader, either Bernal or Thomas or whoever it's going to be, that Freemy might potentially go a little bit rogue on you? He's leaving the team next year as well. Is that something that... I think that's answered the question. Yeah. If, he, if he was complacent with, all right, I've won four Tour de France's, um, let's just cash my checks at Ineos, do the job for the boys for a couple of years, you beauty. He's jumping ship next year. He's yeah. ready for the Tour de France. Exactly. So... Yeah, now I think about it, I, I, don't, I don't know whether I, I would pick him. I don't know whether I would get some, get some experience into guys like Maxi's boy, Teo. 
Get a, they get have a, to go all in though because their their classic squad is deplorable. So they have to literally do it. <laughs> they have to put it all into the into the tours. They have to go all, all in. So that's and, why I reckon they'll they'll pick for him. And they haven't got three favourites like the three favourites like last year. They're not they're not they're not built to fill the podium as the lead up to picks. Um, the yep. races like Jumbo Visma is that good at the moment. They are they are out of control. Their depth their um, they're also their breadth of their team. Obviously, we talked about their their sprinting capacity as well. But their climbing their climbing lineup is outrageous, uh, especially too with like you've seen Sepp Kuss kind of really step up to the plate um, in the Dolphin, especially. It's just been just, just so solid, so smooth, and uh, just an, another man to build this build the opportunity for Roglic. I don't even think looking on form that Ineos is the clear second. Uh, team just on form, on names they are, but um, Bora, uh, obviously Emmanuel Bookman went down as well, but Bora looks extremely strong as well. If Raphael Micah comes and Shackman and Wahlberger, these sorts yeah. of guys, they and and obviously they had the stage winner last night in Camda. Um, they look extremely strong, and so do, believe it or not, uh, so does Richie Porch, Trek Segafredo. They looked yeah. really good in the Il Lombardo last, last night, although they threw everything at them with Chaconia, Molimer, and these sorts of guys that didn't get anywhere near it in the end. But, um, <laughs> they, they butchered they, it a little bit. They look strong as well. Can we just touch on Richie quickly, Albie? What are your, what are your yeah. thoughts? He's, he's around the mark at, he's, at Dauphiné. He's really? around the mark. He's always around the mark. He's, he's, he's always around the mark. He's so solid in a one-week one week race. Um, his climbing's been good. We saw he came second in that Montfond two challenge. Um, yeah, he's been. He's been, yeah. There, there was that stage where he he attacked a couple of times in the final final where it was just a pure climbing group, and you were like, ah, oh, he's good. Yeah. But it wasn't outstanding. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, geez, Richie Port's here to, here to play ball. It wasn't like when. I know it's completely different climbing, completely different event, but you see him on Wollonga and you're like, Jesus, this guy is out. This guy's in a whole nother league um, in the way he attacks, the way it approaches the race, but he's been really solid. Yeah. I think is the conclusion. He, he was in that second group though last night over the second last climb when Dumoulin mm. was tearing the screws and there's probably still 10 blokes left there so that maybe yeah. there's something in that. I, you could probably pen him in for a, a fifth to 10th in the tour, all things going well for him I think that's probably where I'm, he's at I'm still not sure if they know if they're if they're riding for him or or, or Mollema as well um, <laughs> Mollema like Mollema's actually the one that never has a bad day where Richie can lose 20 minutes on one stage yeah um, so obviously I'm pretty sure they're aiming to go with both of them for the tour and, and Nibley later on uh, for the for the Giro but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mollema beats Port but they both finished top 10 in a way Richie also doesn't have a contract for next year, I don't believe, as of yet. Still pending whether he stays on with Trek or heads elsewhere. Where, where, where would you like to see him go, Campbell? Well, I think he's said, in, said it himself that this is going to be his last crack as a GC rider. Um, what is he now, 34, 35? So that's, that's probably fair. But I think he's probably still got another couple of years in him as a as a really good domestic, we know that he was at Team Sky and that's kind of where he, he properly made his name. And I think that's, 
that that suits him. The, you know, there's not a whole lot of pressure that goes with being a, a good domestic. And I don't know, like, would he would he be able to go back to to Ineos and and slip back into that role that he was doing four or five years ago? The last thing they need is a is a, is a has been GP rider. <laughs> Uh, he's not a has-been yet. I'm a big Richie man. He's not a has-been yet. He's still well and truly uh, a star GC rider. But in a couple of years, if he's in another team, um, even if he wants to come back to Australia and ride uh, and ride for Mitchelton Scott, um, although not based in Australia, I am aware of that. But uh, to be able to ride uh, freely in some of the more in the Australian summer, the Australian summer could be him from 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 now on in. I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the teams around. I just. I just don't know. Just don't know where he'd fit in, you know. If he was, if he was to move on, I just. Well, does he fit in at Israel Cycling Academy back with his other right, with his right hand man? Possibly. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does fit in there. Everyone seems to fit in. I don't know if they have a strategy with who they're picking. <laughs> the old great Impy, Froomey, and Richie all in their late thirties. Oh, don't forget big Andre Greipel. Oh, how could you forget him? <laughs> Yeah, he's still on a list, is he? I'll he's still on the list. Yeah. Yeah, he's still riding for Israel. What What do you think, Max, about Andre? So, in terms of his, um, he was like just the highest, highest regarded sprinter. He's obviously still good, but should he have called it? Like he's he's oh, think, not getting yeah. back to his best. I think so. Um, he rode. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did he ride in the Australian summer earlier this year? Um, I think he definitely was there, and I think he was mediocre. Like um, I he's know been, Caleb was the star of the star of the town, but I think he was mediocre down here as well. He's been pretty mediocre since he's left Lotto, after yeah, being so, so dominant for so many years. And and the funny thing with him is if like you're picking him for sprints, um, and he's probably not even in the top twenty sprinters, but out of those top twenty sprinters, he is the worst at climbing. So he literally is yeah. no help. Well, you you look at the sprinters now, and it's it's almost like a there's a there's a changing in their their shape. they they've always been out of climb. I think that's one of the most underrated things as a um, as people just watch the sport is like, oh, sprinters aren't very good at climbing. They're always they're actually unbelievable at climbing, um, but they're getting better. Like they, it's it's not. Can you be just a pure sprinter now? A grapple, a kittle, that kind of spec. Or is it just not good enough? I think you can, but teams aren't going to pick you, you know? Yeah. Um, you're not going to take... Uh, Cavendish is the best example. You're not going to take Cav for the hope that he's going to win one of the four stages that he's been available for. Um, when you can probably take someone like... Uh, I know it's a different team, but um, with Sunweb, with Michael Matthews, you can take him because he's a chance for maybe eight to nine stages and to be able to help... Uh, I don't even know who their GC rider is. Sam Oman, is it? Uh, soon to be Roman Bardet. Yeah, so the, the, the Michael Murphy's a chance to help uh, Roman Bardet at the hills where Cav, not sure what team he's on at the moment. Is it, is it the same? It's one of the... Uh, Still a Barry uh, McLaren, but um, hasn't, hasn't been thriving this year. He's not helping Mikel Lander get up one of the hills. No, no. I think that's what Caleb always talks about. He, all his training is, is just climbing. is just trying to get to as many finishes as possible. The more you get to, the more chances you have. And I think those riders like uh, like Michael Matthews that you're talking about, Max, they're the, the perfect type of rider that, that teams want. Guys that can win bunch kicks but can also 
can also do their bit helping their their GC leader. Or they have to be extremely strong in classics and um, like an Arno Demar, where he uh, is capable of winning classics as well. That's the value in the sprinter. Or you just get a Wood Van Art that can win Strata. Um, San Remo. Win yeah. San Remo, pick up a monument, and then also run third in a bunch kick against um, Arno Demar and Caleb Bjorn. That's probably that's probably the better option. Is he the most valuable rider in the world at the moment? Uh, it depends what valuable is. Is is classics? Is classics the the valuable over the GC? I I dare say if I was picking a team from now, um, like if I was picking a cricket team, I'd pick Ben Stokes uh, at first pick over Virat Kohli, just because of the all rounding ability. So I reckon I would I would pick Lloyd Van Aert first first up. You can start a team. You have Van der Poel, Van Aert, or Evan Poel. You're still going Van Art out of those three? I'm, as, as, I'm still I'm, I'm still 100% going Van Art. Yeah. Because on Evnipol, heading into his unfortunate crash last night, which looks like it's going to ride him out for the season, he won all four races he started this year. Outrageous. He's t- He was born in 2000. He's 20 years old. <laughs> what happened in that in the stage of Poland where he won by two minutes? Did he uh, just that, ride away like he was doing in the under-19s? Yeah, there was a small break. Oh, a small, a select group, and he just rode away. And that there was no, there was no team structure in the, or no team numbers in the group, so there was there was no organised chase. But yeah, geez, boy, oh boy, he still put a minute fifty in a group that um, I know Full Sang was there. Like it was it was no, it was no. Yeah. It's a world tour race. The guy's twenty yeah. years old. In a, in a in a team where he has no right to be their lead guy yet. Um, but he is, and he probably has taken over. Like if they, if he was fit and ready to go to the tour, the, the what the decisions between Evanpole and and um, Alan Philippe would be phenomenal. You wouldn't know which way no. to go, and then not to mention all their other fellas like Stebar, who um, was nowhere. What happened to Stebar last night in that German one day race? Mm, don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't get to the end. Yeah, I was right. on the two, um, yeah, the two World Tour races last night. And then they have obviously their sprinter in Bennett as well. So a quick step, uh, phenomenal. Yeah, and they just win, like they yeah. just they just win bike races, um, which I think when you look at uh, the so their sprint their sprinter gets taken out stage one in Jakobsen of um, Poland, then Remco goes on a rampage and puts a minute forty into everyone else, and then even then. Ballerini still wins the final sprint. Like it's not, they've just got, they've just got this ability to win bike races. Just, that just runs right every year. Um, yeah. But I guess the, the big, the big story over the last, or the cycling season part two, Max, for yourself and a many, many jumbo business fans was George Bennett in uh, Grand Piemonte. I assume you tuned in. Yes, tuned in. Um, not going to promote. Not going to promote uh, gambling at this stage as well. But um, I did snap up George Bennett at thirty ones as well. So <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was extra happy. I was a little bit nervous when he attacked a long way out, um, and I'm not sure who was chasing. Was it Diego Ulysses who was coming late? Yeah, coming real late. Ulysses came late. George went way out. 
Like, well, actually, yeah. he didn't go. He went out where he had to go. There was no other genuine yeah. time, and he's obviously not a. He's not a big boy, but well, actually, he kind of was a big boy in the way he was riding. He was just munching this massive gear from from the get go. He was almost pedaling squares by the finish, and he went on this climb. Yeah. There was a select group behind, and he never really got a. He never got a genuine distance. It was always he was always there. Um, on the and then the finish was another ramp, of course. Uh, the group that was chasing got caught by a bigger group, which contained Ulysses and Ulysses unleashed at the bottom of the climb and was coming hot. Uh, so Max, and on top of you, yeah. It's, it's not, it, it's not just the grand Permonte that I'm um, really excited about. As, as you guys know, I've been a George Bennett fan for a long time now, but um, it was the, it was his uh, domestique work and the tour de alone but, Really got me excited. Um, and then they've almost said to him, all right, because you used to be a GC rider and now we've got all these guns, go out and win it. Go ahead and do some stuff in the in the classics, which is not George Bennett. And yeah. he's come out and come first and second and potentially um, was looking fresh. And then I dare say he just gave up because Jacob Fulsang just looked strong. Um, but that's the, to be with Jacob Fulsang within 5K in the Lombardia, that's genuine classic riding. Like he's a he is uh, taking some time, but he's looking at the best of his powers. And the tour just looks interesting if he if he's a chance to be able to go for a stage win at some point as well. To put things into context, Ulysses finished on the same time as him. That's how close it was. Yeah, right. It was getting quite nervous, especially when I had him. Obviously, had that. 30 to 1 mark. I left him last night. I didn't, I didn't touch him in the Lombardia and I was getting a bit nervous, but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, a couple of other special mentions was um, Rob Stanard came in at eighth. He was in that second select group. It got swamped by the bigger bunch in the end, but a, a nice little handy ride for, for Rob. Um, I didn't see it, Albie, but I saw a few bits and pieces on the socials that Chris Harper did a, yeah. did a good job. That was the other was special great. mention. He was ripping turns, heading. They, they were like it was Jumbo Bisma. They were all in for Bennett, and uh, they were riding all day. He had no teammates left on that fin- on that final climb, which was still a, a fair way out. Uh, and Chris Harper was was good, and he Chris Harper too. He fits that team well now. Like that's their that's their bread and butter. Just strong as an ox can <laughs> find your way over mountain passes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses too. Now it is, it is the only challenge is it's starting to become a bit of a log jam up there. There's not a whole lot of room to move. Like we're talking about earlier, the Tour de France team, it's, it's, yeah, it's a proper log jam, but, um, just quickly, George Bennett. So he won Tour of California and I think Grand Piemonte was the first time in his pro career that he's actually been able to put his hands up in the air winning a race. So, and then to come second to, to Jakob, last night it really shows that he's like he's made a business now he's kind of seen yeah okay there's a lot of gc boys here i'm just going to go just go crush it in the one day so it's good to see he was actually when we were talking about evan pole right away in the in the burglars he george was potentially in the yellow or second um yeah, and then yeah, put, put in a bad put in a bad last stage um, which has been actually when he was a gc rider it was that was his downfall he actually had a bad stage here and there um, yeah, but it's exciting as a George Bennett fan. It's it's <laughs> it's very exciting. 
Um, I dare say he'll be the last one in the hills. We would talk about Jumbo a lot. Um, and they had an amazing 24 hours when George did win Lombardia because I think Roglic and Van, de, uh, Van Art won back-to-back stages as well. Um, so it's, it's it's exciting times to be a George Bennett fan. It just seems like that, like the quick step winning culture, you put you put success around the team and it just runs right. And we don't talk about, with Ineos, we talk about Froome, Thomas and Van Al getting along. There's been nothing said about Dumoulin, Krujewick and and, uh, and Van Aert and Roglic yet. Um, yeah. I think it'll come. I think Dumoulin will <laughs> like a stage win at some point. Um, but there's been nothing said. If Wade Van Aert doesn't win a stage in the first five stages, maybe it might get a little bit weird. But um, the, the, the culture between them and Ineos just seems, and uh, not to mention our favourite team in Movistar, um, it just seems polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah, last night when I was watching Dauphiné, it looked, looked unreal to see Tommy Dumoulin, a Grand Tour winner, just happy to just do the job on the front. There was no, there was nothing in his in his look that you know said that he didn't want to be doing it. He was he was more than happy to be doing the job, which which is which, which is what you need. Just what you need. Yes, but that he's doing the job on coming back from an injury, so he's kind of he's in that form finding stage. Come on, my, Alex, we got all this good energy around. My my question, my, my question is when when Tommy D gets back to like top top Nick, how that works? It'll come. It'll come. There'll be a nervous moment at some point. There'll be a Froome Wiggins going up the hill at some point. <laughs> Onto yeah, just touching on Lombardia last night. Bennett uh, was was in a move. We had we had three Trek Segafredo boys: uh, Nibali, Ciccone, and Molima. Uh, two Astana bros, Fulsang and Vlasov, the the new Russian talent on the scene, and George Bennett won out Team Jumbo Visma, and somehow we managed to see two Astana and one Jumbo Visma guy going up the last climb. And the three Trek Segafredo bros were nowhere to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Astana not really working with each other as well going up that last climb. No, we... took, the, took the front and dropped and dropped lots off. <laughs> <laughs> um, the commentators were given Trek Segafredo a fair bit of stick for because they, they were they were riding, they were taking this kind of uh, Jumbo Visma team Ineos. We are we are the strongest. We're going to rip everyone's doors off approach. But they probably it was interesting. It was interesting, wasn't it? There was no, there was no clear lead. Everyone was doing a little bit, um, and then when the move went, they all just went clean out <laughs> the back door. <laughs> uh, Vincenzo yeah. more than anyone else, but um, yeah, Full Sung is sort of becoming almost the best. You know, in these types of one day races, he's becoming the man to beat. Mm-hmm. And this young, this young Russian Vlasov, he won the Mont Ventoux one day race uh, last week with Richie Port second. So he's, he's really coming up, coming up big time as well. And Quintana in third too. So it was no, it was no easy victory. Yeah. And he, he, he looks good. Yeah. He's kind Quintana of just... looks, Quintana looks good enough for, I mean, I know he probably has given up hopes of winning it, but I reckon he's still genuinely top three chance for the tour this year. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see that. Well, it, it's disappointing that he's not carrying that. Obviously, he can't carry that form that he had at the start of the year, which was hot. But he's got he's got full team support. He's got a new well, new. He's he's got his brother. I mean, he's got his bro there. Daya. Who, who, who I think he gets dropped on a flat. 
he's got his family affair. Um, I think we've actually been pulled up once on this podcast for shredding someone's brother. <laughs> I think that was for. Um, was it for Sargon's bro? Or maybe it was Nibbly's bro. Sargon's Nibbly's, they're all they're all in the same boat. Someone cut um, us up. Probably fair as well. <laughs> I mean, he's a professional <laughs> cyclist, and where does he tear in shreds? Yep. <laughs> you have a younger brother or an older brother, Max? I have two older brothers. Um, Do you reckon, would you have influence to take them to the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, I, I I dare say they wouldn't sacrifice their their life to make me win a race. <laughs> Um, so I will be, I, I might go back on my word about the brothers, but, uh, my, my middle brother, um, is the one I'm incredibly close with, but I doubt he would do it. Um, and he's not much of a sporting man as well. He's more of a surfer. Now, and before the, before I get the haters saying surfing is not a sport, I, it, <laughs> it, it is, but he's, that's all I'm saying. Alex, you can cut this out if Max, uh, wants it to be cut out, but I was reading the other day, Max, that there was, um, Early in your career, you were driving to training and you were punching a dart in the car. Is that is that correct? And someone from the team was driving past you on the way to training. That's my favourite story. I don't, don't don't know how it hasn't been mentioned on this podcast yet, but um, no, no, no. As <laughs> as as being a, a lover of cycling, um, I actually have a, a photo up on my wall at home. I would show you, but I'm obviously in Maroochydore of the nineteen. 33, I think, Tour de France, and they're all punching a dart across the finish line. Um, so just inspiration off my favourite sport. Uh, no, I, got, I, I, I did have a, a, a casual dart. I like to say social, but I was in the car by myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of other people on the Monash, so technically it was social. But um, And Carl Cheney pulled up next to me, and apparently I wasn't even looking. I was looking the other way, and Cheney was just staring right at me. Um, surprisingly, didn't get told off for another two weeks. So Cheney held on to it for a bit. I think he was a bit rattled. He didn't know who to, who, who to tell. Oh, jeez. And then what, you just yeah. got absolutely rinsed in the club or they were okay about it? That was back when we had a leadership group of 10. Um, and I was in a, there was a semicircle and I was a chair in the middle of the tent. And this might, meanwhile, I'm at my probably fifth week at the club. So it's quite a daunting experience. And they set me up, they set me up to fail Campbell. They, our, our motto is whatever it takes. Um, and as I sit there, Brad, Brad Miller started the conversation and asked me if I'm doing whatever it takes. And I had no idea I was caught. Um, so I said, I run with yes. I said, yeah, I think so. And he goes, ah, that's surprising. I don't, cause I don't think you are. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, is smoking on the way to training doing whatever it takes? I'm like, You've set me up. You've set me up. You've set me up for beauty. And then I then got shredded by the other nine members of the leisure group as an 18-year-old. I'm surprised I made out of it. <laughs> oh, geez. What a turnaround. 10 years, makes. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a story that I actually like because it does show um, where 18-year-olds come from. Uh, and we're not all professional athletes at 17. Um, and we're all from different upbringings and I mean, I shouldn't have done what I did, but um, it's it, it, it's allowed me as a captain to know uh, people coming in just come from total different backgrounds and it took me a year to settle in at the club um, and I can imagine that's happening with 18-year-olds uh, at our club now. But it, it, it's a good point though. Like, you, you're not, a, well, I don't know, from my experience, you're far from a professional at 18 or 19 or 20. 
and then that's that's what I that's what I struggle to fathom how um, Remco is so good. He's <laughs> <laughs> twenty. Well, it's the same thing in footy. Real Real looks like Real looks more professional than me now. Um, yeah. He yeah. looks, he looks unbelievable playing for Gold Coast. He's helped his assistant coach or something. It's fun. Yeah. It's, sorry, I just, I just swore, but it's, um, it's phenomenal. And uh, me at eighteen, I mean, I wasn't even allowed in team meetings, let alone assistant coach. <laughs> he looks the business, doesn't he? He does. Oh. Um, and I mean, in the cycling world, it's even more. I mean, the the, the young rider gets awarded to someone under the age of twenty five, and Evanpole's winning at the age of nineteen. Yeah. That's the thing we're seeing. So I was talking with a friend the other day. Why is there so many good young riders now? What is it, you know, 10 years ago that no one under 25 was really winning anything? Andy Schleck as a 24-year-old was like considered really young. And now we got 21-year-olds winning the Tour de France. The white jersey used to be a battle of people about an hour down on GC. Yeah. yeah. Now they're top three. Yeah. Now, now, it's just, now it's just the second place prize for the GC, really. Yeah. yeah, well, Bernal's a chance to win both. Yeah. I think that's it, gents. Unless we, you've got we, any, any other standout un- topics. We unpacked a lot. We talked about Jumbo for the majority of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we can... Can we potentially talk about what we think is going to happen in the tour? Or we got another podcast before then? Um, maybe we'll do a tour preview. Yeah, maybe it's a little really... I'd like to see a little bit more from Thibaut Pino before I make a massive call on where he's going to finish. It was not. It was nice to see him uh, burst out of the pack trying to hunt down Roglic um, the other day at Dolphine. But yeah, it'll be an interesting piece. He looks in good nick though. His teams looks good. I just can't get over the fact that you get the. You've just got Sep Kuss. Well, after the team's done ridden for the last thirty k's before it, you've got Sep Kuss just breathing out of a straw in the last three Ks of the climb. And then Roglic doesn't even, it doesn't even look like he attacks. He just rides off the front. Yeah. An acceleration. It was incredible. It's a bit boring yeah, a, in a sense, but geez, he's good. It's not boring because it's not Ineos. Yeah. It, might be boring, <laughs> it might be boring in three years if uh, Roglic, Kruzric and Dumoulin win the next three tours. But um, at the moment, it's still well and truly exciting. So we've got two weeks till the, till the tour. Yep. Bit of time. Yeah. We'll get a good form guide in. Um, I still, I still like uh, the Spaniards as well in Lopez and Lander uh, potentially doing something. So we'll talk about it. All right. We'll expect a tour guide from Max coming in the next week or so. Thanks, Campbell. What we, Thanks, Alex. What have we got? What have we got to look forward to in the next week? Is there, a, is there a race? I'm sure there's probably a race on every night. <laughs> it's hard to keep up at the moment. Is um is Switzerland going ahead or not? So, well, Worlds have been cancelled. Yeah, no, no, the Tour of Switzerland used to be a tour lead of Switzerland, up to the uh, tour, didn't it? I think, I think the Swiss government put a bit of a stamp on events. So, we've got, well, in terms of World Tour, we've got Bretagne Classic 25th. You know what? So, if you want to know what's coming up, our writer, journo, cycling extraordinaire out of Hobart, Josh Dung, has been pulling together a nice little newsletter every Monday for... A little bit of analysis on what what happened in the go. last week and what's coming up, and so I will refer back to that. And if you want to do that, you can sign up to, onto our website to hear what Josh has to say each Monday. It's like I led you into that. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well-